I'm Casper Ter-Kyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Casper, one of the first conversations that we had about Harry Potter, I was complaining about this inconsistency in the novels that always annoy me about when wizards wear muggle clothes and when they don't. And you said to me, well, what if we treated that as if it wasn't an inconsistency, but it was there on purpose? That conversation was so exciting to me because it took something shallow, like this shallow, cynical thing that I'm really good at. I'm really good at being cynical and critical and ironic. And you were asking me to be sincere and optimistic about the text again. And I think that that is what we are going to do in this podcast. We are going to ask ourselves, what if we take this seriously? What gifts is it going to give us if we love something and we love it with rigor and we love it with commitment? Hmm. The themes and the questions that were in these books were so big. They were just as big as the Bible questions that I'd just been reading. You know, the the same questions of love and fear and death and even resurrection that were showing up in the Bible class were showing up in the Harry Potter text. And the difference was that the Harry Potter books felt like they were mine. I could claim them in a way that I never feel like I could claim the Bible. The thing that I love about treating a text as if it was sacred is that we're giving ourselves the permission through rigorous practice to really see ourselves through the text, which is a really exciting thing, right? You can use it as instructive. Right. It's easy to say that. Practice of doing it takes work, and it takes concentration and discipline. Oh, absolutely. So there's this story that has become really meaningful to me, and it's about this town in France right before um, World War II. This was a Huguenot town in a Catholic country, a Protestant town in a Catholic country. And so they, for hundreds of years, had been oppressed as a Protestant community. And because of this oppression, they had turned that into a real strong commitment to this idea that roughly translates into radical hospitality. And so what's great about this is that World War II comes along and French Jews, you know, in Vichy France are like, oh, there's this town that is used to being oppressed for their religion. That sounds like what I'm going through. So French Jews start like knocking on these doors. And this town, just because it was practiced in the commitment to radical hospitality, they had something that they always did, right? They opened their doors to refugees. And they did it with compassion and generosity. And they ended up saving hundreds of Jews. And And we usually talk about this in terms of skill sets that you can then apply in the job market. And there are great stories about Wayne Gretzky and Mike Gaza and, you know, athletes who were so committed to their sport as kids and then became amazing athletes. But we don't talk about this a lot in terms of practicing just values that matter a lot to us. It's like, oh, that person is loving as if it's some sort of natural state to be loving I think that if you want to be a loving person, you have to think about what does being loving look like? How do I do that? And you have to practice it. You're sharpening a tool in your toolbox and you have no idea how you're going to be able to wield it. But I think that Harry Potter is sort of a blunt tool in a lot of people's toolbox. And we're going to show people that if you love something and treat it with rigor, you can be sharpening that tool. Hmm. So, Casper, every week we are going to read through a theme. We're going to be looking for a certain theme. Why are we going to do that? 
Well, there's so many different ways that you can look at a text. And I think it's helpful to kind of put on some glasses and think, okay, let's read this chapter through the theme of loss or through the theme of attachment or selfishness. You know, it opens up a whole new set of windows on the meaning of the text. And we get to be creative with what those themes are. So I love the story that you told about this town in France and the commitment that they had to hospitality. So this is the third time I'm reading the book, and I'm reading it with this lens towards commitment. And this was the first time I read it that I had a really hard time hating the Dursleys. Huh. Yeah, I I just see them as very committed to a lot of things. So we're told that they're committed to normalcy. And we're all predisposed, especially when you read this as a kid for the first time, to think that that's a bad thing. Right. But why is that so terrible? Theoretically, you're saying that civilization has been discerned over thousands of years, and this is the mold to which society has decided is best, and I'm going to try to fit in with that. I guess normal is better than being a Death Eater. I, I would like to think that I'm committed to a higher ideal than normalcy, but I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with people who are committed to that ideal. But in some ways they are. I mean, later in the chapter when, um, you know, he's been hearing about all this kind of strange news, which reminds him of this sister of his wife. He's very careful about how he broaches the subject right, with, right. with Petunia, right? I think he's really committed to loving her, actually, because he asks, uh, Petunia, dear, you haven't heard from your sister lately, have you? He doesn't mention the name Harry Potter. He, he's very careful. He's very, he doesn't want to bring up something that's painful for her. He's committed to, to protecting her from things that are painful. He seems to be very committed to her and to the family. I just And a normal life together. And to ha- working hard. And he's so committed to working hard. That in the book, it says very specifically, that his back is toward the window in his office. So that and he doesn't get distracted by so things So he doesn't like, get distracted. Oh. I would very intentionally, I always face the window when I work so that I get distracted. I think that that shows a commitment to working hard. And sure, he like yells at people and that's a bad thing and whatever. But I don't know. I think that he cares a lot about his work. And what, they like gossip. We all watch reality TV. I found myself relating to them. I will say, though, there's like on page eight or nine, there's that line about imagination they didn't hold with such nonsense. And I was like, okay, maybe you guys are committed a little bit too much to this normal thing. But from the very beginning, we see Hagrid as committed to caring for small creatures. Hagrid has just, I think, theoretically met this baby, and yet he's weeping over Harry and the fact that he's dropping him off on this muggle door. So, I mean, like, weeping. He's not dropping Harry off to the slaughter. And he's so moved by caring for this tiny creature. And we see it over and over again with him. Well, he's always looking out for the outsider, which of course makes sense because he was an outsider and, and remains, you know, throughout the books. And there's something that, it's, ironically, for such a big man, there's something very maternal about Hagrid always. He's always looking after creatures or, or, or living things, really, that are rejected or on the margins in a way that, you know, Harry is going to the margins and he's already committed to looking after Harry. And of course, later in this book, we'll, we'll see Hagrid re-welcome Harry into the wizarding world. So there's this lovely protective element that he offers. Yeah, and I think that over the course of the seven books, maybe we can track Hagrid's commitment because we see that motivate some really bad decisions too. Absolutely. Like right? really big mistakes. He loses sight of all other priorities. He wants to take care of this baby dragon so he reveals a big secret that could have catastrophic impacts. Or he starts asking Harry, Hermione, and Ron to make really bad decisions to like mourn a spider. So Hagrid 
Hagrid seems to be an argument of being overcommitted to something. And that resonates with me. I want to be committed to something, but not so much so that I'm not reading the room. I feel like there's a warning in Hagrid. Hmm. 